This is the one with the Terminator transitioning into Robocop. A horse called Susan. And it's up to Doc to change. A town called Mercy. Here, Here we go. Whistle on our epic race. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek, Cyber, Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Echo Center with Ticker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or it could be the morning when they're listening, or maybe the afternoon. (laughs) That's very confusing. It's most definitely evening for us here. (laughs) Good day. And us being... Who have we got here? We've got a a Drew over there. Yep, I've already interrupted. interrupted. Yeah. So I'm going to interrupt him. And we've got next to me, we have a... Hello, I'm Marie. I'm Marie. So good, no interruptions. Yeah, no. (laughs) Well behaved. (laughs) And across from me, we've got... Leon, hello. Hello. Hi. And what are we here discussing today? We are discussing A Town Called Mercy. That's very right. M091. 91, dudes. That doesn't work. No. (laughs) We've got to wait till 169 at least. I I wanted to do it for 89 two episodes ago, and I missed it. You've been carrying that around for a month. Yeah. (laughs) So, this episode, eh? Oh yeah, this episode. It's definitely Cow- an episode. The Cowboys. <laughs> it is technically an episode. Yeah, yeah. Someone filmed it. It's not a webisode. <laughs> yeah, it was on telly. Yeah, you have to watch this to be completest. Mm-hmm. There's you- no way around it. Wait, am I sensing a we didn't like this episode tone? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. Shall we get one up to speed so we know what we're talking about? That's an excellent suggestion. Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize, so take a view, and grab a brief, and listen to this overview, this free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. The Doc, Amy, and Rory aim for Mexico, but thanks to Rory's one act of agency in this episode, via some misplaced breadcrumbs, they end up in the desert nowhere town of Mercy, population 81. They ain't the first cowpokes to mosey into this town, nor even the first interspatial apothecary. Years prior, a doctor slash mad scientist from the planet Kalar crashed, strung up a few light bulbs, cured your garden variety cholera, and wowed those hicks. But once across the suspiciously makeshift town borders, there's no getting back out again, because a robot gunslinger stalks the badlands surrounding Mercy, ready to arm cannon any bad hombre with a face tattoo. With the real sheriff out of action, <clears throat> the Magnificent Eleven sports a badge and a Stetson and must think of a plan before high noon, or them folks gonna be all out of mercy. Be scout over, you are welcome. Sure Aren't you, you are. just? Oh, I do declare. <laughs> right, so we're back in the back in the states. We are Stetsons again. Does it feel like maybe this was shot? I, I didn't check Todd's Wiki, but does it feel like maybe this was shot out of order like, uh, during the whole American run? Yeah, it's got too many links to last week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is a moment. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that meow in. And maybe this is a moment to say that we've taken the podcast on the road. We're recording from uh, not the usual studio, but... The home of me and Marie. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and our two noisy cats. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, only one of them is noisy. Well, true. So that's Polly you might have heard in the background. Holly! Holly! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rename my cat. 
Sorry, I've been watching Peaky Blinders. There's a party in that. Somewhere in the Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name? Still. <laughs> and no, no cliches left unturned. Yeah. I'm going to say straight up that I find it very hard to love any episode that's all sandy and hot since Planet of the Dead. Oh, oh really? Yeah. It's ruined all sorts of desert episodes for me. So for this to which get a the, high rating for me, it'll have to be brilliant. Which other all hot, dry desert episodes have we had? Well, not all hot, dry, but there, there was the one we're talking about, the previous Wild West run, the Doctor in his Stetson hat. The one that wasn't the, the impossible astronaut. Yeah, oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, all that jazz. That was very little deserty. And I wasn't... Did, yeah, but it's, it's an iconic image that sticks in your mind. Mm. Did you hate the whole Lake Silencio thing that much? Well, no, it's, I'm saying I hated Planet of the Dead that much. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you just want an excuse to hate on it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, some residual hate <laughs> yeah. left on work. What are they parodying here? We talked before pressing record, we talk, uh, mentioned Magnificent Seven. What else? The Three Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the Two Amigos plus Fella. Yeah. No. There is a film that's literally called Cowboys and Aliens. Yes, yeah. Uh, I... I <laughs> I made a note of it because I wonder if that's the. It, was this around the time? When was this shot? When was this written and produced for Doctor Who? Is so this we're pre, the, post? We're 2012 now, aren't we? With 15th New of Who? September 2012. I'm there we go. Up. And uh, Cowboys and Aliens is 2011. Oh, there you go. Uh, I feel like. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I say, I feel like whoever wrote this um, episode for Doctor Who was like shitballs. <laughs> Someone's picked me to the post. So yeah, I, I think that film this is. a massive flop, though. Yeah. It was. Can't remember his name now, but there's a YouTube chap who just does like action special effects. Used to follow the guy before, and he did a special episode with John Favreau post Cowboys and Aliens, and they basically went through like, oh yeah, we still have this street, this cowboy street, just in the middle of the desert, and they shot on that location. And this is just a cowboy street a year after that film's come out. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's just still there. Mm. There's more than one cowboy street in the middle of nowhere. Find a couple of, like, it's a mini town, like a fake town that they've built solely for the purpose of filming Western stuff. I bet you they shoot a porno there every day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Sergio Leone shot spaghetti Westerns in North Africa or, or possibly Spain. Things. So there, there are loads of potential locations. For I want to find out. I'm going to find out. Okay, okay. Filming locations, I was wrong. Mini Hollywood, Spain, and Texas Hollywood, Spain. I yes, Spain in your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Is this where you want to bring up the eagle eye thing you spotted? Oh, yes. The Alhambra seems to be in the background of one of the shots. <laughs> or like Castillo in the background. Yeah, some <laughs> giant frigging thing that the cinematographer or location scout just lazily assumed we wouldn't freeze frame and go, ah, you idiots, what are you doing? This isn't how you make a show. <laughs> or if you do, you rotoscope it. Yeah. Mm. Come on. But to be a screenshot fair. on who back when? <laughs> to be fair, I hadn't noticed it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I noticed it because Drew screen capped it, but mm. is it, it is literally just one little scene, isn't it? Like for about three seconds. Yeah, the doctor is astride Susan and he's going through one of his many lovely backdrop vistas. And yeah, but it, it's fairly prominent. Oh, wait, maybe it does happen twice then. Because I think it was there when um, Jax was in frame as well. Oh, it's in the vicinity of his ship, I think. Or the Doctor finds Jex's ship soon after that. So, yeah. Maybe it was when he was running back then. Yeah. Yeah. How weird. Anyone got anything good to say about this episode? Come on, start us off with something good. I have a lot of questions. Shoot. Why is the gunslinger a gunslinger? As in the name or the fact that he has a gun? Why does he have a, a poncho, a cowboy hat? Why does he look like 
Uh, what does he look like a cowboy? What does he look like a gunslinger? He's in disguise. Obviously. In disguise? Yeah. The guy has a tank for a hand, <laughs> and half of his head is a light he's bulb. He's doing like, the they're, they're... best he can with what he's got. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think he's that trying to keep the sand out from it, all his weaponry? Just so he was sporting a Stetson and a poncho. Yeah. Where did he get it? Did he did he walk into a market like always <laughs> face the other direction so people didn't see the light bulb eye? Oh. He He's walked like, into a market and demanded, I'll and they all just threw ponchos at him. Make peace with around. your gods. Now give me that poncho. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need your Stetsons, your chaps, and your boots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really buy the gunslinger at, at all. Because <laughs> I, I, can, I can make a backstory in my head, because he's been there for a few years, we, we reckon it's a few number of years. And Is it years? Because they're supposed to be, they're isolated in this town, nobody's come in or out, and they basically can survive until they run out of food. Who's got years worth supply of food? Yeah, I think it's three weeks. Is it just, yeah, I think it's weeks, not years. Is yeah. it a doctor's been there long? Because they talk about the cholera epidemic, like that was Yeah, that was a while two years ago. ago. Yeah. And yeah, I think Carla guy has been there two to five years, maybe. Yeah. So Gunslinger's oh, Gun just turned up fairly recently, then. Yeah, he's mm. had to track this guy across because the universe, Because he's been though. chasing all the, other gu- all the other Doctor guys. Yeah. And he first. didn't have no fancy egg to travel in. Exactly. Or no yeah. fancy giant tic tac. Yeah, there? exactly. So with the, the, the pre credit sequence, when he's blasting the crap out of some other dude, that's not on Earth, then. That's on a different planet. He's caught a different war criminal, I take it. Has he? Because I assumed that was... Which Carla Jax said, oh, me and this other guy landed, at the, we crash landed together. There should be two of oh. them. And then he's never mentioned again. So I wondered whether in the intro that was him being shot. Yeah, totally, Maybe. Totally missed that. Yeah, that's a good observation. However, the question still stands, how did the gunslinger show up? He must be capable of some form of interstellar travel because they assume that if Carla Jax makes an escape at the end of this episode, he will be pursued across the universe by this guy. Well, and the way he travels, he just appears. He disappears and appears oh, like yeah, he's he walking teleport. towards you yeah. and he teleports. So why can't he just have a longer range? That's a really yeah. nice effect, actually. Yeah, I really like that. You asked for something nice to say about mm. this episode, Drew. That's a really nice effect. The it's walking. so creepy. Uh, yeah, he's it's, just coming it, towards you and you can't predict where he's going to appear next. You yeah. blink and it, the guy's way closer than he should be. Like the, um, the angels. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or like those videos online where you've got the camera, some guy with their phone, is hiding behind a wall and the cat's at the other end of the room. They go behind the wall for a second. <laughs> and you look back and the cat is halfway there. Yes, exactly. You go back again and it's in your face. <laughs> and you can't stop watching it. It's, it's hypnotic, those things. I love those videos. <laughs> so why does the gunslinger do that? Do what? It's because do little teleports to walk up to people when it's he's got a big fuck off gun. And he looks badass. That's and, why. Yeah. yeah, he does it. But to that's the thing badass. Is, why is he wearing a poncho and a hat? He doesn't need to. He's a, he's a space robot. He has survived flying through space. He can't handle a few grains <laughs> grains of sand. It's the shittest android ever. No, I'm backing you up. I'm backing you up. That's just that's just absolute <laughs> nonsense around this character. It's like they're worried about stepping over this arbitrary line which apparently appeared overnight they didn't do it he the gunslinger put it there yeah and so now imagine that scenario where in the middle of the, like the dead of night everyone's sleeping you just hear the clomp 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 <laughs> <laughs> this guy like, walking around the whole town putting down shitty bits of wood that, like where do they there aren't even any trees like, <laughs> yeah. dude, a month ago this was a lush verdant forest <laughs> 
But for the past month, he has been killing everyone who comes around to water the bloods. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, and he made that castle on the hill. That's what he did as well. Ah. He's been busy. <laughs> <laughs> that and making his no, own clothes. You've got this, this cut-off line where everyone is just really afraid for their lives. They're going to step over that and they're going to get shot. And yeah. they're behaving as if people have stepped over that line and have been shot. And yet, every time we see anyone go close to that line... Disengage! There's, well, yeah, that. But well, he doesn't kill any. He doesn't he's just, kill any. He just people. slowly teleports up to the line and then goes, "Ah, I can shoot you now." But I'm not going to bother because even though I'm a killing machine, I don't actually like killing people. Why do they have this arbitrary line? I sort of miss the bit that that he made it. I thought they'd made it, and I thought it was somehow like a magic circle to keep him out. But then when he comes at high noon, he just steps right over it. Nothing's changed, but he comes yeah, cause in. Yeah, because he was the one who built the line. He was giving them a chance to give up the people, yeah, he's the, sort of the des- hostages or whatever he that he gave wanted. them like a safe zone. He's, yeah. he's basically designated it a civilian area because he's a soldier. He's, he's created for... Well, he was a soldier beforehand and then he was created to be just a tank, basically. And then he's just like, no, everything within this border is not a war zone. Like, no then, sol- no yeah. soldiering allowed. But the, the, uh, the idea that he like he won't kill civilians but he's gonna end up killing them if he leaves them in the circle and doesn't let any food in yeah wait that's a good point he's gonna point. kill everybody yeah. well, well that's so, just part of war that's just that's just a siege and eventually your town will surrender and you'll be able to dictate terms and he will get what he wants but on the same line like he's going after when they had the ruse of Rory and the marshal running out and all that kind of stuff he's tracking them down and he's like oh I might hurt an innocent and he stops shooting at them and then he gets a life sign detected behind a rock and he thinks, okay, I'll just blow the shit out of that rock. And then he flips around and he's, he goes, no, time's out. I'm just going to kill everyone in the town if you don't do anything tomorrow. And he goes stomping around the town and doesn't kill a soul. He walks... Because he's, he's a good about, guy. He's all yeah. about intimidation. Yeah. Where's, where's the threat? It's just... There's plenty of threat. You can say, oh, in hindsight, there was no threat. But I thought there was plenty of threat when he was in that church I pointing his cannon at a little girl. Find him pretty menacing. Yeah. But they've set up the threat based on the fact that he's killed people, and yet he never actually enacts on it. When do, we do see they also when say he that blo- he's killed people? Because we see the Stetson with the, hole, the gun hole in it, and it's like, oh, that was the warning shot. He wasn't yeah. actually aiming. Oh, that's true. That is true. And we yeah. saw him kill someone in the prologue. Yeah. But, the, but, the but, other, but they haven't seen that. The other alien guy. Yeah. Yeah, they would know that though. They would they would realize pretty quickly. Oh, where's where's Carla Jeff? They oh, have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him lately. But they I, I never... see his charred corpse over the hill. Oh, but they have what? never met Carla Jeff. They've only met Carla Jex. I think they have met Carla Jeff. I don't think they have, and even if they have, I don't think that's the main problem. I think the problem is that they say he has prevented people from bringing supplies to mm. them. So at some point, if he didn't so kill them... So has he killed people that were coming in I think, with supplies? I think he just shows up with his massive cannon, fires a warning shot, and goes, if you come any closer. Or maybe he's even outright said, if you cross this line, I will shoot. Yeah. And... And nobody's challenged. Well, him. they see this like massive sci-fi monster that no one has imagination enough to even understand. Yeah, and they just go, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Well, let's just take his word for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of misdirection in this episode, mm. which I think is fairly fun and resolved fairly well. I don't, I don't see a problem with the town border turning out to have been placed by him rather than the fearful inhabitants. Mm. I don't 
think that's a problem either, but I do think it's hilarious that Mr. Clomp Clomp was the one who made that makeshift border. Like, why make that makeshift border? There is a perfectly good sign that says, you know, welcome to the town of whatever 81. You don't have to also encircle it in wet bark. You just go... But someone could come in the back entrance otherwise. Yeah, but he can't... He doesn't have, like... He just looks at the front of the town. He looks at the main gates, right? You don't think he's got sensors somewhere that tells him when someone steps over? Half a light bulb head. He can see that whole valley. Yeah, because as soon as Doc and Amy jump and Rory jumped over the line, Rory was there too. um, He (laughs) he got like alerted. He was like, "Ah, somebody's crossed my border," and then he. That is true. Yeah. yeah, okay, I take it back. That is a good point. But I still think it's bullshit <laughs> because you don't need wet bark for him. Like, it's not like he goes, nah, well, ev- anyone on this side of the wet bark. E- even in war, borders move. Like, mm. I mean, especially in war, borders move and, and civilians are relocated. So why would he say, well, this area forever? Well, what's the, what else is he going to say? You can't move more than 12 and a half meters beyond the edge of your furthest building closest to the front sign. Well, how are we going to measure that? Well, no. I could just chop down this forest. Would that make it easy for you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, all he has to do is say, you, no one enters or leaves this town. The uh, first thing people are going to do is like, well, if there isn't a foot's worth of wet bark there, I'm just going to walk straight out the back. Well, th- that, okay, so that I was... I need a symbolic border around me. Well, frankly, I thought that's what they were going for in this episode, because there's that <laughs> there's the light bulb moment that the Doctor has <laughs> when he goes, oh, well, it, it's the prison that you wear around you. I thought, I genuinely thought, okay, they're going to take some of that bark and they're going to move the border yeah. so that yeah. the guy can go to his spaceship, because the prison is the town, right? And they're just going to move the town around him. No, the the prison is the thing that you wear around you. Was it meant nothing? Because I picked up on that line, and I yeah, I was expecting something to come of it, and then it didn't. Right? didn't. I thought I'd miss something. In fact, what comes of it? What is the light bulb moment for him? Uh, what Carla Jex? No, Doctor. No, because Carla Jex also lacks a light bulb moment. But sorry, we'll deal with well, Doctor first. Okay, <laughs> when the Doctor goes. Oh, you're a genius, Colour Jex. Of course, it's the I guess you wear around you. Is it meant to be just be that the the real threat is isolated around the gunslinger and Carla Jex? So if they go somewhere else, this town is safe again. Oh wait, that, no, that's I the think plan. So I don't know. I think actually it's the face paint because that's when they all they, yeah they put fake tattoos on everyone. Excuse me, what if the thing can only identify you based on the shit on your face? Why don't you just redraw it a little bit? I don't think that I don't think that was a tattoo. I thought that was like a yeah, it was like a, you're born with. That. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of a fingerprint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just draws a little bit on it because <laughs> I mean, genuinely, everyone else has like a, a black magic marker twiddled yeah, around their yeah. face, and the gunslinger registers it. So yeah. why doesn't Carla Jex just go? All right, I'm just going to add a tiny little curve here. Yeah, just a little bit of extra guy liner. And I'll be off scot free anymore. Exactly. He should know that, like, how he scans or how he sees it. Exactly. In fact, it seems weird that there's no, you know, remote off switch for this tank. What seems weird is that every time you get into your spaceship, you have to turn off the self destruct button. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was one thing when Doc went in, but when Carla Jex went in, it's like, it should, it's your spaceship. Why is it doing this? Yeah, it can't scan your face tattoo, not not tattoo. (laughs) This is what happens when you outsource the armed forces to private contractors. Mm. I looked that up, actually, because it was Abraxas Security Systems. That's what it said on the screen. I thought Abraxas, I misremembered, I thought Abraxas was the head on a jukebox 
in uh, the Kylo Minogue episodes, the guy who's a cyborg, but he's just like basically a jukebox on on wheels. Yeah, but it's not. He was uh, something else. Axis. Mm. But there is an Abraxas character who's this. Uh, I, I think some sort of robot bodyguard in comic books in Doctor Who comic books. Mm. So it, there is a canonical Abraxas thing to do with cyborgs. Cool. Yeah. For all you comic heads out there. <laughs> so I also want to rag on the prologue scene, the cold open, some mm. more. Because <laughs> Excellent. I went, back, I went back and watched it again, very closely. The first thing you see is like a sort of badly hovering alien rover. And it sort of yeah. it wobbles along for a bit. And then it gets shot. And then the guy who eventually gets executed is just sort of lying beyond it and behind it. I don't think he was in that craft. I don't think it was big enough. It's like he had a, a remote control car that wouldn't take off. Like maybe that was trying to get supplies into the town. None of it is explained. Do you not think that maybe it was some sort of... Like in the beginning of Empire, the drones the that are sent out by the Empire... Probe droids. Probe droids. Thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it seem like maybe something like that had been sent out and had located this dude? Because we get to see the probe droid point of view, and it sees him, like it locates him, right? But, that's, I think, the but, very so, first so thing that we see. So you think this is an extension of the gunslinger's tech? Because that's what he then shoots and blows up. Wait, the gunslinger shoots it? The gunslinger shoots it. It's, it's not oh. the guy lying on the ground. The, the, the gunslinger oh, shoots sorry. it, and then the guy's lying on the ground going, I guess you got me. <laughs> no, no, sorry, you're right. Fuck all sense. And it also looks so cheap and bad. I can't understand why it was left in at all. And it also it sets up all these problems with, well, two years ago, our famous doctor, he sorted out the town. The other guy, he's forgotten. This is just another expendable stooge sidekick in the long tradition that we got in the cannibalists where you know the backup robot was was killed off in the very beginning completely yeah. forgotten then it was just like phil jupiter's one was the only one that had ever been there and after this guy is dead carla Jex is like the only one who's ever been there everyone else just forgets so just take that scene out and it would be better episode because that that whole setup definitely made me think that this was happening on a different planet yeah i i i thought that guy had been hunted down somewhere else and this gunslinger is somehow getting from planet to planet and anyone who's who's flown away from Kala, he's which, gone and tracked them. Which he is because he has tracked all the other they said how many he'd killed like everyone, all, all the team that were involved in in his creation. Yeah, boatloads. Yeah. All but one. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense for so, them to split up to make it harder for Exactly, they're pursuer. not all in this random town in America are they? So... I know they're traveling across time as well. Oh no! Wait, are they? I don't I think don't so. Maybe I not. don't think so either. Okay, fine. Because then he then he says, "Well, yes, he's the only one who will be going to have been left." <laughs> to use a Douglas Adams tense, <laughs> the third future past regressive something. <laughs> okay, now I'm ragging on the writing. Shall we say who wrote this episode? Who wrote yeah. it? Toby Wet. House. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> what else has Toby Woodhouse written? Remind School me. reunion, Vampires of Venice, God Complex, Under the Lake, Before the Flood, and the Lie of the Land. Okay. So he's written enough episodes to write a better prologue than this. And also, but but some of those, good. Others, yeah. maybe a little less good, but Vampires still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one that springs to mind. Listen to our review. Hmm. But, yeah, not a bad writer at all. No, just prone to missteps. And I think prone to a setup that he can't fulfill. Like, yes. I, I want to have vampires in Venice. <laughs> That'll be amazing. I want to have an uh, alien gunslinger in a cowboy environment. That'll be amazing. Do you know what? I've just realised there's a common thread to Toby Whithouse's episodes that we've sort of talked about before. 
Oh, really? Right. In School Reunion, the Doctor is against Anthony Head, and Anthony Head is trying to be very persuasive, and we're like, ooh, what a... Well, not we, because I'm not on it, but you guys are like, ooh, what a good villain. He's like the Doctor's... He's offering the Doctor something that might actually... Um, he's like an equal of sorts. He's, he's offering yes. him a... He's an anti-Doctor. Yes, that might actually tempt him. And in The Vampires of Venice, the only good thing about that episode was the chief woman vampire who talked to the doctor again as an equal and now you've got this other doctor who is called another doctor and they are batting around ideas of morality in this episode that's true so toby whithouse tries to create equals to the doctor to face off against him in ways we haven't seen yeah yeah good point i think you're probably onto something Who's the equal in the God Complex? In the God Complex? I suppose it's not well, the Minotaur, is it? The, no. But the Minotaur mirrors the Doctor because it's like the last of his kind and he's too old and da-da-da. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, exactly. true, true. Yeah. That point, yeah. All this thread keeps pulling. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, tangent, the lady fish vampire in Venice, also on Peaky Blinders, plays Polly. Mm. Yeah. There's a callback. <laughs> <laughs> My cat's not called Polly for uh, those at home. <laughs> How do you guys feel about the not the doctor doctor, Carla, Carla Jex, just screwing with human history? Mm. We get electricity. Also, I have a note about electricity I want to pick your brains about, but let's maybe put a pin on that. But like, how do you feel about that? There's, there's electricity too soon. He cures uh, an outbreak of cholera, which should have wiped out a, I mean it's mean to say that maybe but it, it, those people were not meant to survive mm. yeah probably that entire town would have died it, exactly it's a very so isolated what? town it's like a staging post on the Oregon Trail everybody's dying of cholera but I mean so I yeah, guess they except, should have but, except for this one town but it's 81 people it's not like he went to New York and was like you know I can fix you guys in a weekend do you remember does anyone remember what the number was before it was crossed out on the the population sign. Oh, Google it. Because <laughs> I I don't have a setup of these towns well enough, but eighty odd people seemed a very small number to have, like a uh, in town physician and a saloon and an undertaker. Are you I sure? Everybody are... had a saloon back yeah, then. Yeah, these are all yeah. essential services. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you need an undertaker, otherwise, what? The, the corpses are just left rotting in the streets. To be I don't know, it's and they the didn't vultures. have an in-town physician until he got well, there. Well, no, true. Okay, it's 80. Yeah, It was 80. That. The 81st oh, okay. one is Carla Jax. Because he so, said it was important enough for you to go and rewrite the sign for this one guy. Who was uh, right. oh, so maybe oh, Carla Jeff never was here. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it, it didn't yeah. make an impact on them enough to, I, to I'm convinced the sign. that was off-world. Yeah, same here. That was yeah. somewhere else. But, it, but tell me it didn't just look like the desert at night. Yeah, racist. Yeah. Every desert looks the same. <laughs> but no, but Jack said we crash landed. We crash landed here together. The both of them. I'm so, sure he does. So maybe, maybe Jeff just died. Uh, Before he didn't make it to the town. Exactly. The town townsfolk never met Jeff. Yeah. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe Jeff was left behind on the ship to engineer it back to health. Classic Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Jeff in a nutshell. <laughs> Jeff in a giant Tic Tac. <laughs> oh, I like Tic Tac, but I was just thinking it was an egg. But I like Tic Tac. I like the way the door opens. Mm. That was a nice animation, yeah. I thought. Yeah. The alarm set Evie off, though. Oh. oh, really? Yeah, that is a horrible alarm. That goes right through a dog's ears. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially as Marie pointed out, this is just the getting into the ship alarm by sounds like it. It was quite happy opening up for him. It wasn't like uh, I'm being stolen alarm, was it? It's just a you've got three seconds to turn off this alarm alarm. 
No, no, it, it's ringing out around the whole of Southwest United States long before he actually gets in. He's he's on the he's on the top of it, you know, in agony with his hands over his ears. Every, yeah, everyone in the town is hurting from this alarm. Yeah, this isn't three seconds at all. This goes on for ages. Quite exaggerating, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but how close? Had ten seconds. But how often have you wanted to sign into something and forgotten your passwords? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd you'd have exploded <laughs> yeah. if Abraxas handled your two-factor authentication. I had forgotten many plot points in this um, episode, and I genuinely thought he when he got back in and it did the countdown again, he was going to not pass it and he was just going to accidentally blow up. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, I can't count myself to stroke. Where did I put that password? <laughs> so Leon. Yes, hello. This might be a tenuous connection, but did you get any Star Trek vibes? Oh, okay. Wait, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Are you thinking TOS in the Wild West episodes? I am not. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I am thinking Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. But I think it is very tenuous. It's I think because he's because it was like Kala Jax, like Jadir Dax, and oh. he has a thing on his face, and she has like things on her. I don't know. It's it set off my Star Trek. I I, I hadn't thought about it until now, but I think you're probably probably right. There is a parallel there. Maybe not an intentional one. Maybe this is just a symptom of this is how we make up alien names nowadays there just needs to be an apostrophe in there somewhere and probably an x yeah Uh, and also the alien makeup tends to be everyone on your planet has a birthmark oh i see yeah (laughs) everyone has a line that goes across your nose oh the bajorans done Yeah. Yeah. yeah Otherwise, you're perfectly human? Uh, you, yeah, you, yeah. Just like us, but but with that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a slight difference. Oh, a, a bigger earlobe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but I'm re- really pleased to see a, <laughs> see you pick up on a Star Trek <laughs> reference. Yeah. Nice. What about the fact that we were just reviewing Genesis of the Daleks? Um, Go on. And we were dealing with war criminals. Did you uh, get any kind of like tingles down your spine like oh my god this is a weird parallel to have at the same time that we got a war criminal up here we just dealt with nazis and the contemplation of genocide of the dalek race i hadn't thought about it but thinking about it now wow was it dealt with better and more profoundly in genesis of the daleks hell yeah (laughs) but genesis of the daleks is also a six-part serial like it's more yeah more than three times the length of this episode so there's there's more it's just more time, more space, more real estate to to devote to yeah. that story and, and to those characters. For those that don't know the, the classic serial Genesis of the Daleks, this is where the doctor is genuinely contemplating whether he can go back in time and destroy the Daleks before they even become a threat. They have been created yeah. by Davros, but he can he can blow up an incubating unit and that's just to save Daleks done. billions and billions and billions of lives, and he does not want to do it because he is the Doctor. Fast forward to a town called Mercy, population 81, the 81st one being the guy that needs to be sacrificed. He doesn't, wa- he doesn't want to kill one dude to save 80 people. Yeah. Apart from when he throws him outside the oh, sorry, bar. No, 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 kill no, one yeah, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. He doesn't want to kill one spe- one Dalek incubator to save billions, but yeah. he will kill one dude to save 80 people. Yeah. But we were talking about this last, last week. Uh, 79, because the... the sheriff is already dead. Yeah, true. Ooh. No, not at that point. He dies to anyway. No, no, true. Oh, yeah. whatever. Adam, Lee, and Rory. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 80, like 83 of them. Anyway. Um, and himself. <laughs> 
I've got him over. I'm sorry. <laughs> Still not last week. Last week, last week, <laughs> when he killed the dinosaur hunter, uh-huh. and we were like, oh my god, that's so out of character for the doctor. And then yeah. he tries to do it again now. He's like, you're a bad guy. You deserve to die. Here, go to the enemy. But I don't feel. Um, but okay, sorry. Do you feel that this is now this is characteristic of the doctor because of what we saw in dinosaurs on a spaceship? Well, or do you feel that both of these episodes simply do not embody what the doctor should stand for? I still feel it doesn't. It doesn't embody what he should stand for. Agreed. Um, but they, he's not the Messiah. He's a very <laughs> naughty boy. <laughs> but that, I think they do it so that Amy can jump in and have this line and say, you shouldn't travel alone. Yeah, but they also she, give Amy the line, when did we start letting people get executed? Last week, Amy. Last week, yeah. But then, <laughs> <laughs> did you not remember last week? But we also have... in last week and stuff. No, him. and this time we have Amy pointing a gun at the Doctor. The, this episode is rife with uncharacteristic depictions yeah, of yeah. our core team. And then uh, she's just randomly shooting it because she doesn't know how to hold a gun. It's she like, shoots a gun that many times. <laughs> Accident, <laughs> yeah. Accidentally. That's like, crazy. Thank it, fuck it was in the ground and not in someone's <laughs> head. <laughs> it does lead to one of the best lines of this episode, though. Everyone who isn't an American, American. drop your gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it also uncharacteristic that Rory's like yeah let's take the utilitarian option just sacrifice this one guy it's a classic trolley problem get him out there mm. yeah, but, yeah that's not Rory no, yeah Rory isn't in this episode I don't know who that character is but <laughs> Rory's just not in this episode but yeah because they, they always come back to this um, that the human companion equals the doctor's morality like without them like holding him back almost he would do terrible things yeah and, but it just seems like such a ham-fisted way of saying it like the last couple of weeks it's been so it, it hasn't felt natural yeah so I, I kind of like the idea I think it explains why the doc likes humans so much why he always keeps them around yeah but it but it, it doesn't I, have the, the, the gravitas it needs in this episode. It feels like it just feels like it's setting him up for a new companion because yeah. they're very clearly stepping back. Um, and again, it, at the end of the episode, Amy's like, oh, we'll just go home now then. That wasn't Scottish, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you say it, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I can't, I'm on, I'm on the spot. The movie was great, it was great, it was perfect. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely more Irish, but anyway. Um, but yeah, because last week Rory was like... Uh, like can you not just drop us home and this week amy said oh i think we'll skip this one and oh, this, just- is the, this is where she says the line that you guys have quoted a couple of times uh, people are going to notice that we're aging yeah. more rapidly than yeah else. yeah but it, yeah it just doesn't it doesn't feel like anything that she would ever say it's not anything that anyone would say no are you an idiot amy no yeah. just travel just across keep space going. and time exactly <laughs> yeah. just- turn up when you're 90 and just be like i had a great life guys you missed it all <laughs> Yeah, and they'll be like, I'm sorry, weren't you in your 20s a moment ago? Like, did you have a really rough week? Yeah. <laughs> you just throw one awesome house party where you just kind of sit everyone down and get a few vodkas out and say, boy, have I got some stories to yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah, unless it's a case of expectations never match reality. It doesn't add up for Amy either because she was happy to completely waste a childhood and dress Rory up and have no friends just on the off chance raggedy man would come back and now she's like you know what 45 minutes is enough for me yeah once every six months Mm. it's ridiculous yeah i'd much rather keep trying different jobs and failing my marriage and then getting back together again and i didn't tattoo love and hate on my knuckles for nothing (laughs) you know well that's the thing she loves the doctor but she also hates being with him but that but that's last week they were getting divorced and this week like yes no mention whatsoever of the state of their relationship 
Well, that was two weeks ago, Couple but yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I had forgotten about that. That's how glossed over because that is. Because it's such nonsense. It's just thrown in there and resolved in one episode, and then it's never talked about again. And it really annoys me, all this, oh, we can't travel with you, please drop us at home, go off anywhere. And th- but next week, they're, they're in the episode again. Like It's happened three times now, he's dropped them at home, and then they're always there. And are we just supposed to fill in the blanks like the Doctor's been travelling for... How long? Months? Years? Whatever? Like, I don't know. Yeah, how, how did they pick it up again? Did, in between and... Did he drop round awkwardly or did they get in contact? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, they're just there again. Yeah, also with the amount of time that passes between episodes, I think now we're in the future relative to when this was broadcast. Yeah, surely. Because yeah. they, yeah, they said last week, like, it, it's longer and longer in between visits almost. Yeah, and we had a 10 month gap between a Christmas episode and this one. And, yeah. and so now we're in 2014 or so. This cuts to the heart of probably my biggest disappointment with this episode. In some ways, it seems to gel with the previous one quite well. There's a callback to, did was someone looking at my Christmas list? Oh, that was nice. Yeah. yeah, that was nice. So these guys are clearly all in a room, plotting their way through the season. If they just put all the Amy and Rory stuff, never mind the divorce, just have, have them... And then the dinosaurs on a spaceship, and then the one that's coming next, Power of Three. So Brian... Uh, is it Brian? Brian, Williams, yeah. yeah. Two episodes in a row. Great. We get to know him. Fine. Mm. Um, then maybe save the, the Asylum of the Daleks one for for now and put more motifs of, is the Doctor prepared to sacrifice people? Is he a war criminal? Because he, he is a war criminal as far as we know. This is all building up to the 50th, but we don't get there for another year. So, but we so already- if they just re- reordered things slightly, it would have been so much more effective in any number of ways. Mm. I agree. And and that touches upon something else that I wanted to talk about here. He he is a war criminal which is not not mentioned in this episode really, but he is judging another person for his war yeah. crimes. Yeah. Is it just such a is the Carla doctor just meant to be a blatantly obvious pastiche of the doctor himself so that he is effectively judging himself for his own crimes against his own people and that is why he is prepared to sacrifice Carla Jex. But then ultimately forgiving himself because he tries to save him in the end. He does try to save him. Well, although does he? Because... It feels yeah, he like does. he's trying to save him, and then he's like, the "Don't end, kill yourself." It's just no. Well, not kill himself, but go off somewhere else. The gunslinger will follow you, and you can fight it out on another planet and leave these people alone. Yeah, and in in order to accomplish that, he is willing to put all eighty civilians in harm's way. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, civilians, here, take this magic marker and draw some shit on your face. Just doodle a little squiggle I'm on your pretty face. Pretty sure he won't shoot you, <laughs> yeah. even though he has outright claimed he will shoot you. <laughs> When we get the strike of noon, he is going to shoot you all, but just run around anyway. Or the alternative is, anyone who doesn't want face paint for for tomorrow, head into the church and see if your God saves you. And, and, you know, try not to knock over any Bibles. Oh, that poor girl. Oh, no. no, no, stupid what girl. A, yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> Everyone else has sat there quietly and she's just like, I'm, I'm going to take this time to get up and stretch my legs. Yeah, excuse me, keep your infant on a leash because, <laughs> because she is going to get she's everyone kill killed. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe stack your Bibles better. <laughs> yeah, who leaves them haphazardly in a pile like that? Right I, on the end of the pew. Yeah. <laughs> I want to bring uh, a cat metaphor back into this, I may. Because oh. I think I think actually what the doc is doing with... <laughs> 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 
with Kyla Jacks is... Is it, is it when they push the Bibles just directly off the table? No, we've moved on from Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> going back to Kyla Jacks okay. going off planet with the gunslinger following him. Mm. It's basically like if our cats brought in a mouse and we decided to free that mouse by basically letting it loose in the garden and then letting the cat out. <laughs> it's like yeah, that, yeah. that mouse wait, is, is that, not going to get very far wait is that what you guys do no we don't for context <laughs> what happens is we put the mouse in a little tupperware box and jim walks down to the end of the road where there's a um, little nature reserve and we let the mouse loose there Aww. for any other cat to smell its injured body and kill but our cats <laughs> our cats don't so that's important hang on where is frankie right now <laughs> <laughs> he's sharpening his claws <laughs> yeah hey frankie's a she oh oh sorry sharpening her claws mm-hmm. <laughs> against the bones of her foes <laughs> But yeah, I didn't even finish my point earlier why, why it was oh, so bad. Because, because <laughs> Do all, all this momentum they seem to be building up with last week and this, with the, is the Doctor a war criminal? All these questions of morality going around his head. This won't be resolved for another mm. year or more. And if yeah. they, I don't know if perhaps they'd planned more episodes and the BBC was like, you haven't got the budget. Mm. But it's, it's all so just drawn out. Nothing holds together. I, I like these standalone things, but the... The common threads that seem to move through them just act against every individual episode. Mm. Mismanaged. Mismanaged show running. (laughs) (laughs) What do we think of the Marshal? Oh. Do do we recognise him for a start? No. We don't. Wait. No one one watched Farscape? No. It's on my list though. Later seasons of Stargate SG-1? Never seen it. And he was in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. (gasps) Was he? (laughs) (laughs) Just to complete the trilogy there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the trifecta. <laughs> no, I, I feel like he's wheeled in intentionally for a, you know, a big sci-fi cameo. Oh, nice. Across the pond. Ben oh, Browder. Good. Yeah. Ben Browder. Has he been in something else? Something I might have seen? Was Stargate SG-1 big across the pond? It was big in general, wasn't it? I mean, that's where it was made. Oh, okay. I don't know. You looked very pointedly at me when uh, you were saying that. I was like, I don't well, know these things. Thought you were a Stargate, Stargate SG-1 fan? Yeah, but I was a wee burn when we watched those. A wee burn! <laughs> <laughs> he was also in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as some random background extra captain. Oh. Yeah, Sovereign oh, Admiral. Yeah. I'm oh, Admiral! Looked, oh, my mistake. Just looked him up. Was he painted all gold? I forget. Uh, probably. It was Guardians of the Galaxy. He was painted some colour. Yeah. <laughs> the point where he dove in front of Carl Jackson st- and stopped him and got shot and then was on the floor, for a second I th- it looked like Rory and I was like, fucking hell, Rory's died again. He's <laughs> 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 bloody got and done it. <laughs> it has been a while. He's on his longest streak yet. Yeah, I know. He's yeah. doing well. Yeah, don't worry about it. Wait, wait, <laughs> it's coming to an end. <laughs> no, no, I told you. Rory isn't in this episode. He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Rory. What's the, what is this Zygon Rory or something? Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to the sheriff, why does he sacrifice himself for Carla Jakes? Because he believes in him so much, he respects him and he loves him from what he brought to the town. But that's crap. And <laughs> well, I don't know. What if there's a cholera outbreak next week? Exactly. He knows he can't save them, but College X can. He'll just take the first bullet, the second bullet, in his mind, will still get College X. Mm. But in addition to that, 
why would he then follow it up by telling the doctor, the guy who's basically screwed up everything, why yeah. would he tell him, it's up to you now? Yeah. You're a good guy. in my notes. It is in Jim's notes. <laughs> and the doctor presumptuously taking the store and pinning it to himself. Why, does, why isn't there a revolt yeah. in the town? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're marshal now. You've got the badge. It's like, we don't, we don't vote on these things. Yeah. Like, it's just... Do you think it's just like, if you find a badge, yeah. <laughs> you're now sheriff. I'm in charge. Tech, you're sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> there is a revolt. The young 18-year-old, the upstart, who's never shot someone before. Oh, is this a guy with whom the Doctor has just the most ridiculous, unexplained rapport at the very end? Yes. Where they have their oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I've dropped an F-bomb yet in this review, but I feel like one is coming up. Wow, that was... Fantastic. Remember that time we nearly shot each other? <laughs> oh, so much oh, fun, guy I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hi, I, Jinx. I quite liked it. Did you like it, Drew? Come on, Drew, be in my corner. No, Drew, 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 come on. Come on, Drew. Come on, Drew. Drew, come on. Do you know what? Drew. No, don't let them no, bully Drew. Into it. No, Drew. <laughs> I'm going to read out my note. <laughs> oh, no. Nice to see the young kid remembered. Hey! Oh, dear. Really? You remembered him? <laughs> my note is, who the hell is this kid that Doc apparently has such rapport with? Are you kidding? He stood up the... He had the doctor stuck up with a gun for minutes yeah it was a big scene yeah yeah no I, and it dawned on me like halfway through their fake shootout that alright oh, it's the same guy but frankly they all look the same to me because they are all equally un, underdeveloped they, they do not he's young he's got a bowler hat yeah and he yeah. looks nothing like the priest nor like the girl nor like the mother nor like anyone else there. I get that but like <laughs> they are all they're all just citizens of the town called Mercy. How can They're, you say that when this guy had a one-on-one scene with the Doctor that lasted about five minutes? Because in most... I know the scene that you're talking about, but in most of that scene, I was focused on the fact that the Doctor put on his gun belt and walked mm. out and just said, like, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to shoot my way since out of when, this situation. Yeah, since when does the Doctor use a gun? No, he is specifically against mm. using weapons. Ah, when in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Even Marty McFly doesn't shoot a gun, and he's a gung-ho kid like the other one. A bit of Back to the Future there for some fans, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> bit of fan service. <laughs> the Murray well, heads. <laughs> for me. <laughs> okay, can I you- love Back to the Future Part 3 as well. It is excellent. Are you it joking? Gets ba- <laughs> it gets a bad rap. I am like, not joking. It I is, adore that film. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. It's much more of a feel-good movie than the second one. The second one is a more well-crafted piece of like time travel narrative fiction buzz. The third one is so much more When great-granddaddy McFly just sort of saunters into shot and says, you know, I got a good feeling about this kid. Oh, I just wanted to die. He doesn't sound like that. He has an Irish brogue. And uh, yeah, I, it's great. It's excellent. Oh. Do you want to rewatch that at some point, Jim? Hell yeah. Yeah. Hey, Drew, you're not invited. <laughs> Fantastic. I was going to get as Henry, many Where do you stand? This is where you pick a side. <laughs> Henry, Henry. <laughs> Um, I see a little bit also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, score. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. This Sorry, you're on your own, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> What's one of those? Yeah, good question. When was the last time anyone saw that? Oh. So here's a question. All right. 
if half of the planet has been decimated, what proportion of the people have died? Ooh. Ooh, ooh, go on then, there is a right answer. Oh. Nine tenths? What? Wait, what? How wrong can you be? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? The population has been decimated. Half of the planet has been decimated. Oh, half of the planet. Half the this planet. is why Carla Jex and his team developed the android. Half the planet has been decimated. One in how many people have died? Uh, two? Two! <laughs> no, no, wait, 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 wait. It's not nine out of ten. It is... Uh, it depends about the, how the spread what? of the population no, on there. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Does, it doesn't. The, does yeah. the term decimated mean it's been reduced by a tenth? It's been reduced to a tenth. No. It's reduced by a tenth? Yeah, half oh. of the planet has been reduced by a tenth. One in twenty people have died. Uh. This is why I said nine tenths, because I thought... Oh. Yeah. Oh, You're welcome, don't, Podcast Land. Well <laughs> I don't think that's what they mean, though, is it? If, no, I don't think they're... That's exactly, exactly what they mean. Numbers. <laughs> One in 20 is a horrendous casualty figure. Mm. How terrifying are these gunslingers, though? Because the, this war has been going on for nine years and half the planet has been decimated, and they ended it in weeks. A week. A week? A week. A week. That's what makes me think they don't really mean decimated in the decimal sense. As in the, of ten. Well, then Toby Whithouse is wrong. Oh, this is a Carla decimal. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's half a Carla rel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why do they have to graft tanks onto soldiers against their will in the first place? Can't they just use tanks? Why can't they just deploy tanks? Because tanks can't um, appear and disappear at will. Yeah, but neither can humans. It's the tank bit that can. Why not use the drone technology they apparently have? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Teleport that into places. (laughs) And also, after nine years of war, are there none gung-ho dickheads who would volunteer for this treatment? Yes, exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they were the ones that got decimated. Ah, damn it. (laughs) Just our luck. (laughs) That was another vibe that got me back onto Genesis of the Daleks, though, because that there is a war setting that has spurred him to create the Daleks. That's true. But anyway, yes, that is true. I was getting vibes all over the place, <laughs> just not for the episode itself. <laughs> there are a couple of nice, nice issues. Like, well, I wrote down some lines. Okay, I'm gonna read them, and we'll see what the reaction is. All right. Violence doesn't end violence; it extends it. Okay, that's. Nice, Ends nice, rhyme with extends, yeah. Fine. Nice bit of <laughs> morality for us, yeah. We yeah. agree with the sentiment. I, I can see that written on the last page of a children's book that is mainly pictures. I'm going to take a slightly different tack and say, someone once said, turn the other cheek. Slightly also- longer, but slightly fewer pictures. <laughs> um, I also wrote down violence doesn't end violence extends it. I think because I oh. saw you typing and I started writing. Anyway, yeah. But I underneath it wrote, it says more about the doctor. Like he is very happy to kill the guy himself. He was going to push um, Carla Jex out of the circle. He did. He did push him out of the circle. That was fine. But then when the 18 year old comes to him with the gun and he's like, we're going to kill him. Yeah, that guy. That's when his kind of morality button kicked in and he said, no, I can't let you be responsible. I can't turn you into a killer. So he's already aware that he's done terrible things in his past and one more won't really affect him. But when you see like a young, innocent person on the cusp of of turning bad, that's when he kind of realises we've gone too far. And so I think that is a big moment in his journey this week. Yeah, and is that not a nice moment when the kid's saying, how can he be worth it? And the doctor says... 
I think you're yeah that's a beautiful that's a good line very doctory thing to yeah, say there. Yeah. yeah and he redeemed himself in that moment I think because before he, he was all hatred and he was just I need to end this as did you did you Toby Toby Whithouse Toby Whit I want to dial back <laughs> though to him pushing Carla Jax out of the line uh-huh mm-hmm. because everything up to this point has said as soon as he's out of that line he's going to get shot yes instantly yeah. apparently instantly he's the one target of the gunslinger but he is not instantly he's, he's not, not instant, what no. the fuck is the, gu- the gunslinger off doing <laughs> <laughs> where he he doesn't just shoot him right away like this is his raison d'etre this is why he is here those it, guns have a really terrible targeting you have to be point blank range for them to work why why does he why does it go away <laughs> Why can he only shoot the guy after he's stepped over the border? I yeah. mean, not not thinking, not counting the fact that, like, oh yeah, he's off on some distant hill. But like, when he's standing right there, if you just take one step further, he's not going to kill you. Yeah, because no, because there, there was a scene af- after this when um, the gu- the marshal guy is dead and Doc is the new marshal, and it zooms out and it shows you Carla Jacks on the right side of the border. And I was like, oh, when did he step over the border? And the gunslinger's on the other side of the border, but there's nothing. There's like a foot between them, and there's mm. just these little bits of twig and branches underneath. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to stop him just shooting him then, apart from this self-made border that he's imposed. He's a man of his word. Well, but it's he's nonsense. a robot. He can't it write. Is, break the first law of robotics. Nonsense. It's <laughs> yeah, nonsense. There are no civilians in the way. Nobody else will get hurt. He could still shoot him and have it all finished, and he doesn't. Yeah. This is yeah. my big problem: is that they they yeah. set him up to be a mindless killing machine and then try and make him have some kind of conscience but they don't give context for him having a conscience they don't really show that happening it's just his action for a lack of killing he's a cyborg there's a human in there jim show some compassion but he's he's not showing compassion he's never shown compassion to anyone he's a human doesn't kill them that he wouldn't and a human (laughs) is flexible enough to think around the piece of wet bark (laughs) he's not a human he's a carla a colour would be flexible <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, you got me there. <laughs> okay, another line for you then. Mm-hmm. Since the last one went so well. Yeah. <laughs> got you thinking. Justice doesn't work like that. You don't get to decide when you, when and where your debt is paid. That is a good line. Yeah. Subsequently undercut by saying, "I just piss off into space." <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But he <laughs> talked. He, as in the doctor, making himself um, not executioner but punisher. He's managed to act that out. It isn't the the other doctor doing it on himself. Mm, yeah, I suppose. But what? But why? Why does our doctor have the right to choose what is punishment? Well, I think that is a big question to ask. Really, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> he likes to think he does. Though. There you go. Those, those are the two interesting lines I, only I wrote down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, th- I think there was there was some interesting meat inside this carcass of shit. <laughs> DVD cover quotes. <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do not apologize. Do not apologize. One kind of fun line, frankly, we already brought it up in the intro, is the um, horse called Susan. Is the uh, No, actually, his name is Susan, and he wants you to... Spectrous like, choices. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of nice. And it's yeah. then followed up with a really nice line that's just sort of off the cuff. Deli- Matt Smith, by the way, is great. When he mm. is allowed to be himself, he is great. Yeah. And there's one bit where he's just, I think he's on his way to the giant tic-tac. 
and uh, he gets off Susan and uh, <laughs> <Excuse me>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> he's been riding Susan hard and uh, he gets off Susan to inspect the uh, the tic tac and he says like oh it, uh, Susan makes a noise uh, whinnies and Doc just goes oh don't swear <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <laughs> nice I'm just guessing what Susan said I fucking hate tic tacs <laughs> Okay, so this brings me to the thing that I wanted to mention before when I said, oh, let's put a pin in the electrics. The doctor... Okay, this is a multi-part question, but a potential discussion point. So the doctor, does he speak horse, or is the TARDIS allowing him to understand what the horse is saying? Where is the TARDIS? The TARDIS is just around the corner. I thought that... I sort of always assumed that the TARDIS is allowing him to talk to everyone. He doesn't... He's not like he's learned every language in the universe. I... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I say, I, I thought this was akin to him talking baby. Yeah. I was thinking that yeah. as well. Yeah. And he makes a point to say he talks baby. I was thinking he talks horse. No, he talks horse, yeah. Does that mean that the TARDIS can't translate horse? I guess so, because otherwise everyone else would understand horses whenever That's my question. Ah. Exactly. So my que- what, what I've written down is, does Doc speak horse or is the TARDIS at work? And if so, why can't everyone speak horse? Because the TARDIS is nearby and its translation matrix field or whatever should affect everyone nearby. It yeah. doesn't affect everyone. It just affects people who've travelled in it. Oh, really? Doesn't it? Okay, yeah, maybe. So why can't why why aren't Rory and Amy going crazy because all the horses are talking to them? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any carrots for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay, so follow up question to this is the not doc doc Carla Jex not Jeff okay. Carla Jex has brought light bulbs to this town and the sheriff of Farscape fame need to watch that says, uh, oh yeah, w- what's it called? Electrics? Like they, they make a point of saying, oh, of going, oh, the, the sheriff can't pronounce the word or isn't familiar with the word electrics. Yeah. But Carla Jex has tried to teach him the word electrics. Why has he tried to teach him an English word that has not yet been invented? TARDIS matrix. But there is no TARDIS around. Yeah. Oh, until, yeah, they arrive. I think the bigger question is, how has he communicated with him at all? So you could, I mean, you could argue that he's super intelligent as a futuristic, whatever, sci-fi alien being. He just picked up, I mean, fucking Antonio Banderas picked up, like, the Norse languages in one opening credit sequence in The 13th Warrior. This guy builds androids for a living. He probably learned English, but he never would have learned the word electrics. But the gunslinger's in the same situation. Yes! The gunslinger's no, in the same situation. This, this is... Good point. Alien race on Earth speaking English. This should basically... This is, this is the setup. There, there is be, no TARDIS here. Compare mm. this to, like, the, the very well-respected Predator franchise, where you have <laughs> alien <laughs> beings fighting each other on Earth. <laughs> they don't speak English. They're not going to learn English, and if they learn... They... Well, you, you don't understand... <laughs> <laughs> how rude <laughs> no, but okay so seriously how how did he use the word electrics see i thought that it was going to be the tardis translating the sheriff's erroneous reproduction of what carla jack said so like carla jack said perclaxy and <laughs> the sheriff said claxy and missed off the put at the beginning but now that the gunslinger is speaking english i got nothing there has to be some kind of translation thing implied but it's just never mentioned but then that also sort of suggests that whatever translation matrix the Carla have is intuitive enough to 
foresee what the local population might eventually call this thing. So, yeah, because his, as Marie's established, they don't travel in time. So his Tic Tac computer is going to go, hmm, in 10 years' time, they're going to call this electricity. <laughs> uh, and then hmm, it will... that makes me very, very angry. <laughs> Input your password or I'll blow you up. <laughs> and then it'll, like, it'll say, yeah, uh, electrics. Like, it'll employ that word in English. That what makes no the sense. Word? electricity come from is it is it a latin based thing greek greek yeah. yes it's greek so yeah so that's maybe my best greek would... pronunciation it's <laughs> <laughs> not bad <laughs> i feel like if we go down this we will never want to watch dot who again though because mm. surely this question arises for every single language at any other point mm. in time and it's just like how words evolve how does the tardis know to talk about things in a certain because way it, and the translate TARDIS in the same knows, way. Because it travels in time and space, so it knows all future iterations of language. Well, I suppose. I've never thought about that. That's ingenious. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But that means it can only be the TARDIS. It can't be the Carlisle. Yeah. Carla which, is why, which is why I asked translator. if they... If they travelled in time. Maybe they do. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the answer to everything. They travel in time. I don't know. Well, he's got it. He's cracked it. Like this... I don't know. Because they're introducing an English... Uh, or not English, sorry. An Earth... Um, technology before it was invented. But it doesn't, yeah. Do they, would they have invented the same thing on nope. their planet? Surely they'd have different. Where do you get the light bulbs from? Exactly. Like electricity <laughs> is one thing. Like here's, here's power. Yeah. I thought that was pr- pretty nice actually because you get one shot of the light bulb and it's basically an upside down, it, it, like a mason jar with, with a slapdash, li- like turned into a slapdash light bulb. So it's using the same technology, like the rudimentary technology available, like clearly available at the time, rudimentary by comparison, compared to the Tic Tac spaceship, I mean. Mm. But it doesn't look exactly like the ones that we made. Are you sure it doesn't look exactly like the ones we made? What, what was yeah. Edison churning out in I 1890? Don't, yeah. I don't remember it being a mason jar. I thought they, it's, it has a little... Has a proper little it looked like a proper... And, yeah. yeah. It's Lamp a slightly a unusual shape, but it's definitely a recognisable light bulb. So I, do, I do wonder, actually, if you were an alien crashing onto a planet and had to cobble together something, would you stumble across early days electricity and lighting because that's material around, or would you think of really advanced, so we have like LED lights and that kind of thing, but they have... Hey, Mister, they... I've got LED lights <laughs> in my house. Recessed. That, that was a general the Wii, you know. <laughs> the royal Wii. I, I take it back. I'm sorry. I've just Googled, uh, Google image searched a, a screen grab of the light bulb itself. And it is, it might, it may very well be an upside down mason jar. It doesn't matter. But the guy has crafted proper street lights, like in, yeah. a, in a glass casing. Who is making panes of glass in this town to begin with? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because this town doesn't have windows. Because there's no glass in them, Drew. I suppose, yeah, wooden blinds. <laughs> Keep the sand out. Exactly. But it does have sand. Oh, so the sand would get in through the wooden blinds. Isn't this how we make glass? But it seems... Oh, yes. Yes, Jim! (laughs) (laughs) But it seems strange that the guy would approximate a design of streetlights that looks very much like the streetlights we will have on Earth years later. Just throw in a line about time travel and then we could have never had this conversation. We would be quite happy. There's a whole other can of worms that we'd be criticising. Well, probably. Yeah, I, I was watching this episode not thinking all these points fully through, thinking, this is a nice little crucible Toby Whithouse has set up, and actually, in no way is it that. <laughs> no. They do try to set it up by saying the the Carla 
are an incredibly inventive people who could construct a spaceship out of Tupperware and moss. That was a nice line. I like it that. is a nice line. Yeah. Is that enough to substantiate why the guy is so... You know what? No. I was gonna say, Is that enough to substantiate why he's so clever? But he's not clever. He's only clever in the sense that he built light bulbs. He cured cholera because on his planet, you cure the... It was easy. Yeah, yeah. it's like... Hundreds you, of years ago. You have the technology available to you already. He didn't have to figure that out. Yeah, but we, as a species, we've cured... What other thing cured? Polio? Yeah. Could you... If you were dropped on a planet, would you be able to cure polio? It, well, if I had a computer on board my spaceship that had the cure Keep there... To kill you. And you could stop it trying to self-destruct for one second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just had like, oh yeah, here, like go into the folder labelled cures for every disease we know. Well, no. Yeah. They, only, they only had four, four drives on the thing. It was um, technical blah blah personal information, Philip screaming... Okay, but what? the guy is also a doctor. He is a yeah. medical no, doctor, true. so yeah. he he might know this. Or maybe they just have so broad an understanding of like, just universal biology. But what's to say their, their cure for the similar disease they had to cholera is available in the materials that were on Earth, though, and yeah. particularly in that small town? We have rattlesnake and cacti on Kalar as well. It's great. Well, well <laughs> you never tried it, but if you mix the two, you get the cure for cholera. Yeah, and someone comes down with cholera, and he's like, oh, I- I've isolated the pathogen here. Well, I can reverse engineer some antibodies. Exactly. And stop it right there. Yeah. All he needs is some cholera and some moss. D- and some Tupperware. Do yeah. we, th- <laughs> do we keep think- the cholera in? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do we think his spaceship is a spaceship? Because that's how he describes it. But it really looks like kind of a skate pod. Yeah. Or is it a giant pill? <laughs> <laughs> a skate pod. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm curious that, like, has he just, like, abandoned the planet really quickly because he's being hunted and, like, the creations have turned on the crater sort of thing and he's left in a because rush, yeah or... because war ended on his planet so presumably the remaining 19 out of 20 that survived the destiny um yeah the 95 percent. yeah they're they're all just fine happily living their lives and he's had to flee because he's been hunted yeah by a cut price rutger howe blade runner yeah yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> because and i say that because the guy who plays the gunslinger, Andrew Brooke, looks nothing like his character in this. Even with, you know, half of his face obscured mm. by a giant light bulb. He is, in my I could not stop seeing Roy Batty, like, throughout. Did, did no one else get that at all? What, in the prosthetics? Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't see face. him at all. No. Oh, really? No. I just kept, oh, I can't oh, I have a massive it. Blade Runner fan. Maybe, mm. maybe I just I got that wrong. Yeah. I will uh, quickly pull up an image and see if I go, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I might be thinking of slightly older Rutger Hauer at this point. Yeah, the slightly melty face I would probably <laughs> oh, that, yeah. oh, melty face Rutger. I don't know, maybe it's just something in the proportion. No, I'm not getting an oh my god moment. Do, oh, well. do a Google search for Rutger Hauer there. There are two pictures of him on IMDb and they're both of him in this Doctor Who episode. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> When he first appeared, I did think, oh, am I going to be referencing Crichton from Red Dwarf all throughout this? But, <laughs> what I thought. But then, it does. In, in close-up, I didn't think it really oh. stuck. But. No, but there's, because it's a Red Dwarf episode where they're all in Western outfits. And yeah, true. Crichton is a gunslinger, um, and it very much looked like that to begin with. I'm showing Marina pictures of Rutger Hauer, seeing if it twigs anything. Um, Fred or George Weasley. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but Leon has a, oh, a very young Rutger oh Hauer. 
apparently does look a bit like a Weasley. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, here we go. I found a picture of him. Well, he looks nothing like that in the episode. I right? found a picture of him on the website of Curtis Brown, an agency that has repeatedly <laughs> rejected my work. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, ouch. Don't know what they're missing. <laughs> this is what he looks like. I'll show you later. <laughs> 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 he also managed to be in two Ricky Gervais films, but not The Office. So, well oh. done, Andrew. Nice going, Curtis Brown. <laughs> do we think Susan was a reference to a boy named Sue, but a horse named Sue? Oh. Now I do. Surely. I. Oh, I didn't make that connection myself. Tick! Oh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. No, no, first. no, no, no. You go for it, go for it, go for it. <laughs> we finally finished the countdown! No! The countdown had a point! <laughs> there was a countdown. <laughs> yeah! We got to zero, and something blew up. Is that all it takes for you to forgive the presence of a countdown? Now that I know that countdowns can finish, <laughs> the next one I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. <laughs> does, it, does it really tick the countdown box for you, then? It goes, counts but, down from ten to zero, Jim. What's, what's more do you want? Oh, that, sorry, I was thinking the of the... Abraxas. The, the, I, I was thinking of the high noon deadline. Uh, I was confused. Mm. Carry on. Mm. Well, I can't. We finished. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the end of the countdown. I think I have just one major beef left on the table. Okay. Major what? Beef. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, we've discussed this before, it's the sacrificial moment of a character that's, for the most part, an asshole, at the very least questionable in levels of morality, and they make a sacrifice and suddenly we're meant to feel immense amounts of pity and it's just like oh they've redeemed themselves beyond anything we could possibly imagine i'm talking obviously about carla jack's destroying himself at the end so uh-huh. that the battle doesn't continue it doesn't rage across other worlds and all this kind of stuff and my note is don't try and make me pity feel pity for the war criminal please yeah it's, i'm not buying this I, i'm not having this redemption scene when you've had the entire episode questioning whether he is a good character or not and it's not resolved whether he's a good character or not. And this, the music, the setup, the drama behind it is this is meant to be a redemption moment. And it's not. He's just... I don't think I saw it as a redemption moment at all. It felt like, um, I don't know, like a bit of a way out for him as well. He he was say, he talked about um, the weight of his decisions on him and he was going to have to face all these souls in the afterlife. I didn't buy him as a man of faith. Mm. When he references the the faith of his people, that they believe that in the afterlife you have to climb a hill carrying the souls of the people you've wronged, I felt like that was him saying, like, people believe this. Like, I personally don't because I fucking tore people's bodies apart and stitched them into machinery. But that was his last line, was, I hope that they're kind to me. Like, would that be your dying thought if it wasn't, if you didn't believe it? But this is why I didn't buy it as a kind of redemption-y thing, because he's said, I am, um, this is why I fear dying. I fear dying because of what might come of it. Wait, does All he the say that? Does he actually say Yeah, he yeah. literally says, I fear dying or fear yeah. death because of, he's worried about the because afterlife. Okay, oh, sorry. And sorry, then I think pretty much we get him running around and then... He kills himself. Mm. It's like there's nothing disgusting in between. It's mm. like the last thing he said, I am really scared to die because I've done some real shit. And then it's 
Oh, uh, Kilbert. This is the light bulb moment I was about to say earlier that this character didn't have, that we needed to see. We needed to see some development between I'm definitely not going to sacrifice myself to, you know what the best thing to do is. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it could have been, again, it's one of those things that it could have been explored better. It could have been an interesting thing. Like There's a hell of a lot of kind of interesting morality that they're trying to get into this episode, but it just never, never hits home at all. Is it maybe also just the distance that makes it unrealistic? Because it's happening, it's happening as the gunslinger is pointing his hand cannon at the doctor. And if Carla Jenks had been there, if he hadn't run away, then, and we hadn't changed the timing of his sacrifice, but if, if he had been there, then it would have been a sacrifice in order to save the person who's been trying to save him, mm. i.e., the doctor. But because he's in his little pod, he is cut off from the entire plot, and that's what makes it. That's what makes it unfounded and disjointed. Like he's not yeah. sacrificing himself for anyone in particular. Like not for the doctor, not for the townsfolk, not for anyone really. It's it's for the idea that people have built around him that he's sacrificing. It almost feels like it's it's to do it on his own terms as well. Like I know the gunslinger is going to kill me, so yeah, I'm going to take charge. Yeah, exactly, and not give him that. Like satisfaction. Yeah, because the claim is that the gunslinger's done enough killing, and he doesn't want him to have one more. Have one more weight on his shoulders. But in some ways, it's isn't that guy already on his shoulders? Well, yeah, and it's he's kind of fucked him over at this point, surely. <laughs> and it's kind of robbing the idea. Like, there's obviously a lot of questions in morality about the idea of revenge and whether it's ever satisfying, whether it's ever redeemable, and it's worth doing all this kind of stuff. But that's what that character is about is about trying to get some kind of wipe the slate clean this these people committed or trust atrocities i'm a result of that let's make sure they don't do anything else and you know i'm in control of that i'm having my agency mm. in ridding the world of the people that caused all these problems and then him destroying himself puts puts a pin in that like I'm not buying that the gunslinger can then just gonna go. Oh, I'm just gonna protect this random little town on this planet. I don't give a shit about. Uh, uh, do you think maybe basing basing this solely on the logic of a prior scene in the same episode? Do you think the gunslinger just happened to stumble upon a sheriff's badge on the ground, <laughs> <laughs> popped it on, and just immediately got a purpose and authority? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's as valid as any other theory. But also, to answer what you suggested earlier, the gunslinger's soul can never be weighing down Carla Jax while he's climbing up the mountain because he is guarding Mercy forever. Can we talk about that? Can, okay. we, can we move to the end of this episode? We probably should at some point. <laughs> yeah, we've got an hour and a half, we should. <laughs> <laughs> at the, at, this episode ends with the gunslinger taking on the, the mantle of Sheriff and the narrator, who, by the way... oh. Oh god! Oh, yeah, oh my grandmama must have been just a girl. No, it's like it's like Big Fish. I've not seen. Oh, I love Big Fish. I love Big Fish too. Much more than this. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me think of that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a plus point one for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Don't spoil Big Fish. It's still on my list. Okay. Oh, it's but, great. But okay, so the narrator who it, destroyed this episode half a sentence in already. Like it, anyway, the narrator confirms this gunslinger is still yet today guarding mercy. How do you wait? Is that okay with? Are you are you just okay with that? 
there's a robots roaming the the deserts just protecting this town because I, I kind of like it that, that there's like this guardian angel watching over you and so if there's any kind of external threat he's gonna attack it before it gets to you but then they went on to say we we don't have a sheriff or we don't have any police force in the town and it's just like there's no like teenage boys growing up and being jackasses and getting drunk exactly what i was thinking yeah. like in the town does he actually come into the town and and that's what it yes that is exactly what i was thinking because yeah. like i mean the, the narrator says this is my great grandmother right so the narrator is not quite but roughly us yeah mm. like it is the very recent past yeah and <laughs> there must be a time where like, i mean people at this point in mercy they have ipods they drive cars they just hang out yeah. there's a roller disco somewhere <laughs> uh, but if if anyone at any point just like uh, spits a, some gum onto the street or whatever vroom, in teleports the gunslinger points a tank in your face and goes make peace with your gods <laughs> you know pick up the gum you have three seconds to comply <laughs> I really hope so oh I need to get a vocoder then we can do this trick every episode <laughs> I I think I interpret it more that there is a legend surrounding that town. but Yeah, because it feels like he doesn't do that because it, no one's seen them since her grandmother was a Yeah, girl. exactly. So do you think he just went and self-destructed or what? I don't yeah. know if he's... I think he just probably just died. But I, I do agree with Marie that it's weird that they've then sacrificed their own law enforcement. To- yeah. <laughs> For a legend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he died and that he's a legend at all. I, I think the end of the episode is fairly clear in her saying, yep, he's still up there. Yeah. And also down here. He's both mythical and completely real. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's real. I don't, I don't think he's involved day to day in the town. I don't think all the townsfolk have seen him and, like... Turning no, up at a town's a... meeting on every Monday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clump, clump, clump. <laughs> Give me two chairs at the back. Oh. <laughs> Final thoughts before we jump into ratings? Strong tea is not keeping the bag in. <laughs> well, that's just stewed tea, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what is strong tea then? Two bags? <laughs> it's brewing it for a while, then taking the bag out. Okay. Unless he, unless he's drinking herbal tea, in which case you would leave the bag in. Do you mean herbal tea? No, I mean herbal tea. What are you doing? What You're missing doing? out a letter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> um, mothers um, are the only ones who are allowed to have kindness and sadness and ferocity in their eyes. Yeah. Goddamn mums. Actually, here's... Steady inter- on. <laughs> <laughs> Jax's interpretation of people by looking in their eyes was a bit grating in general. <laughs> mm. I can see into your soul. Yes, you you should go to the doctor soon because you've got appendicitis. Um, <laughs> you, I see you have a tortured past. You once went down the wrong way on the motorway. <laughs> and you, know. you have a child, clearly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if he was saying, you have jaundice or you haven't been sleeping well lately, I could buy it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, can we can we tell that Amy is a mother by her actions? Because the fact that she has given birth and then saw her child as an adult, like she doesn't, she's never got the kind of nurturing mother. I've had to bring up a small child into the world. She she skipped all that phase. Yeah. So she, she puts a blanket on him. If he were to show real insight, he would say, 
I sense you're a stone cold bitch to your husband most of the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the most human kindness you've ever given anyone. <laughs> and I'm not even human. Exactly. <laughs> I think this genuinely gave me ambivalence. Like, because we're, we're often craving for this idea that she is a mother and like it's never it's never addressed and it, they kind of forget it and then it comes back again and all yeah. this kind of stuff but then it's just he's looked her in the eyes and assessed that she's a mother because of something in her eyes it just as, really it uh, really bothered me that it was like i could tell you're a mother because you've got kind eyes and i was just like i just did the biggest eye roll i was <laughs> 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 just like all right i don't have any children therefore i'm i'm a stone cold bitch eh like you can't you can't be kind without having given birth like that really grates on me yeah yeah, I mean, you've only shown us the utmost hospitality. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, thank I haven't, you so like, much. squinted you right into a corner and said you can't leave. Or go to the toilet. No. <laughs> no loo breaks for anyone. <laughs> and it Still better than Amy. <laughs> and it could have been a moment to bring Rory into the loss of a child and not not they lost a child but they they lost the upbringing of a child yeah they lost a good number of years in but condensed fashion yeah i guess yeah that's a good point they harp on and on about amy being a mother but when is rory addressed as a father yeah true no that's very true also shouldn't this be a really really tender point given that only one or two episodes ago we learned that because they can't have more children it i mean that caused their breakup their divorce yes surely someone just bringing up her uh, motherhood should be just very (laughs) detrimental to her well-being well she should have a reaction. There wasn't really yeah. any reaction. It was just like, she's like, oh yeah, I am a mother. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, but it is slightly yeah. on the weird side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. I think they just need to stay away from this entire storyline. If they bring it up again, I'm probably just going to knock off three points in my review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll hold you to it. We'll hold yeah, you to we it. will. <laughs> Can't wait for next week. <laughs> Hooray for black boxes next week. Ah, yeah. Oh, when that happened, the next time, next week on Doctor Who, and we see the little, like, the invasion of the black boxes. Mm. I do not remember this. Oh, I don't remember exactly what it's about, but I remember loving that episode. Mm. We're skipping too far ahead. We need to rate this one. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, All right, fine. Let's do that. (laughs) And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la, 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 la. Ratings. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> We're still here, podcast <laughs> I would just like to uh, wrap up my thoughts about this episode in uh, what I will call a review. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> or a rating. <laughs> or, a, or, a ra- or a rating of some description. Are you going to use some sort of scale for this? Uh, you, know, you know, I might just. <laughs> um, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode um <laughs> i know we spent the last uh hour and a half hating on it but do you know what it was really fun um i like <laughs> i like the western theme i love a good western what's wrong with a gunslinger in a poncho what's wrong? you know <laughs> it was very corny but it was thoroughly enjoyable uh-huh. uh doc was great he uh did some good acting um <laughs> don't know 
Um, so, and like, I know that you guys are going to go, go really, really low and make me look stupid and going out. Not on at all. Limb, okay, but, so um, wait, wait, I'm going to start. I, I need to guess what you're doing. Okay. Uh, I'm going, I'm just, oh, I don't know. I'm going a Drew rating. I'm going to give it a. Uh, <laughs> what? what, you mean one that's wildly over charitable? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going a 2.5. What did I write? What did I write? 2.7. What's on his screen? I knew it. I knew it. It's fun. It's fun. More episodes should just be fun. And that is a Drew rating because that's what I gave dinosaurs last week. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Right. Who wants to go next? Fine, I'll go next. (laughs) Okay. um, Well, I'm not going to go quite that, that high. Yes. The Doctor was great when he was the Doctor, but my problem with the Doctor in this episode is that he is not the Doctor. He's not himself. Matt Smith, when allowed to to play the Doctor that we have grown to you know, know and love, does a fantastic job. His scenes with Susan embody that, but everything else, that's, that's not scenes, scene, singular, everything else is another character. I don't want to see the Doctor sport a, a gun belt and, and be aggressive and violent and monosyllabic. The companions aren't themselves either. I, I don't buy why he would become the sheriff and they would become his deputies immediately. Why do people trust them? I don't like the, the, the point of forgiving, of redemption that, that Jim brought up before. That I, I don't buy that at all. I am 100% on board with what you said. This is very stylized, though, and it is nicely done. But in comparing it with the possibly the last Wild West serial which was the gunfighters the gunfighters with william hartnell back in the day the episode the serial in which william hartnell the doctor's tooth is extracted which then shows up in the pandorica uh, operation pandorica that's better that's more wild west and it is more doctor who than this for reasons already explained i'm gonna give this a relatively i'm gonna give this a mark that is lower than 2.7 it is Looking over my previous rankings, it's clearly better than let's just pluck an episode out of the ether, Love and Monsters. It's clearly better than that, but it's also... You always go to Love and Monsters. That's not <laughs> plucking one out of the ether. <laughs> so I gave Love and Monsters 1.4, and I had, a, I, I had a look at the ratings that I've given, and I gave 1.5 to Vampires of Venice, which was also written by Toby Witt. House. So <laughs> this is probably not as good as Vampires of Venice oh. because Vampires of Venice has a more elaborate plot. It's set in Venice, which I love. When we were trying to summarize this episode for the Beast Cow, it was difficult to summarize it in four paragraphs because we had summarized it in one or two already. So I don't want to give it 1.4 like Love and Monsters. I'll give it slightly below 1.5 and round it up to 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> So 1.5. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who's next? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That louder is that Novus really gave a shit. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently I am up. So what did I think of this episode? I kind of liked it in a way. The production values are pretty good. If you don't engage your brain too much, you can go along for the ride. And it's a nice little kind of Western setup with the alien thrown in there and you know there's there's a bit of kind of there is there is some genuine kind of threat with the unknown entity of the gunslinger but i think it just kind of falls to the wayside once you start seeing what he's capable of and what he isn't capable of and i just not sure i want to go and watch this episode again 
and that that's why it's probably going to sit definitely under like the 2.5 mark of a uh, medium rating for me okay in my head i'm kind of equating it with closing time as as in the kind of enjoyment level i took from it like there was there were some moments from it where i can let things slide and enjoy it and there's some moments where i'm just like no that's not okay the doctor <laughs> doesn't do that rory doesn't do that amy yes i'm okay, I'm okay with you addressing the weird mother hood issues she's had but the way you've addressed it is bad you know but there's still there's still some fun there there's still some occasional bits of line like leon pointed out there's there's nice fun with the horse when when the doctor gets to be the doctor that we know and love matt smith's doctor to be that's about 30 seconds yeah you're right yeah (laughs) (laughs) but even actually i i do enjoy Matt Smith having the the flipping range of of just going really angry and intense and he I think he does that well as well like we don't dwell on that a lot of the time because he's a bit of a goofball but I think he does that well and he gets to do that two or three times during this this episode and I think he he does that well <laughs> yeah when when he shouts sit down for me that was so much more compelling and effective than tenant screaming I'm talking mm. yeah. <laughs> No, I think I think he does. He, he brings that authority to the situation a lot more because I think he is a goofball. So when he says it, he means it, and uh, people pay attention. And I, I think that comes across through his episode. So I think I probably overall enjoyed it more than closing time. So I'm going to give it 1.9, which is just above what I did, did for closing time. 1.9. I had you at 2.1. <laughs> <laughs> All course, right, true. Of course, I meant to say tenant saying I'm not listening. Anyway. <laughs> This is a really strange beast of an episode. Firstly, there's loads of misdirection. There's loads of parallels. So it's quite a knotty thing to untangle to begin with. And I sort of liked how, while we watched it, we were drawn through it. And it turns out we were mistaken to make these assumptions that the guy who seems like a cut and dried bad guy is a good guy. And the the guy who mostly plays Vickers, according to his IMDb <laughs> filmography, is actually got a terrible secret. And... I liked how Toby Whithouse led us through that, but this episode reaches in a number of directions. It reaches out to Amy's motherhood, as Jim says, and lots of questions about morality. It seems like it's supposed to get us thinking, but then in every direction we're supposed to start thinking, it confounds us by contradicting itself. And every stab at intelligence is undercut by the Doctor not being the Doctor and Rory not being Rory. Or, or characters just not gelling at all. So you can't actually explore what perhaps they're trying to get us to think about because you're just too frustrated by the whole damn thing. That said, it does look good. Abby kept looking over at this episode. It was clearly engaging. You know, it had it had the aesthetic down. It, it There was quite a cinematic feel to it. And... I'm not saying that she was watching it because it's great, but she doesn't usually do that. She's happy to ignore it. But an image, you know, the visuals were arresting. I, I'm not even sure she was fully conscious she was doing it, but it was grabbing her. This all adds up to a 1.7. <laughs> 1.7. Ooh, that's lower than I thought you were going to go. I really thought that this was high twos, low threes while I watched it, but mm. we tore it that much to shreds mm. that there's really very little left to pick over and take home. This would make, if we unmade the Doctor in this episode, if, if, the, if Matt Smith were playing a completely different character, this would make a pretty decent pilot for a potential different series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't know why, but because last week it really bothered me how undoctor like he was. And this this week it didn't quite as much. No, well, because he got his hands dirty in the last one. He he literally yeah. killed that guy. He gets su- he gets his hands super dirty. He has blood under his nails in this one, not uh, figuratively. <laughs> in this one, <laughs> which he conveniently forgets. Yeah, to act like a moral dude. Mm. Yeah. Also, the first joke, the very first joke fell flat. Which one was the first joke? And the first two jokes, in fact. The first joke was, Doctor, this looks like little bits of bark and wood. And he's like, Oh, it turns out to be little bits of bark and wood. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then the, You're all laughing, but I wasn't. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Smith <laughs> and Karen Gillard. <laughs> John? And then the, the second one is... Uh, Doctor, it says keep out. And he's like, ah, it's more an advisory thing. Uh, uh, dry clean only, right? But then that's a joke without a punchline. He should be wearing something three sizes too small and like waddle into town with his arms by his side because his jacket shrunk or something. But there's just, it's not finished. Uh, I thought that was kind of fun, frankly. Yeah. I always ignore dry clean walls. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, reap the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we see what our listeners had to say? That is a lovely suggestion. Oh yes, my god, we should so do that. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. So, first review we have in here is from Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello there, Michael. Hello, Hello Michael. Michael. Love you, Michael. Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's sticking to his usual format of things he liked and some other things, which we'll come to. <laughs> the first thing that Michael liked was Wild West stuff. Hmm. Followed closely by Fantastic Music, my most listened to tunes in the Series 7 soundtrack. Followed thereafter by Badass Terminator Baddie with a cool gun, boomy voice, and awesome catchphrase. Michael says, I open work meetings by telling people I hate, brackets most people, <laughs> make peace with your gods. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael follows this up with some... Beefs. <laughs> Namely, the doctor behaving like a total butt face. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely put, Michael. Uh, when he unleashes on Carla Jax, threatening him with a gun. Really, Doctor? The Seventh Doctor would merely have given him the Seventh Doctor look of disapproval, and Jax would have topped himself there and then. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, he would. <laughs> Michael's second beef is, why is no one telling Color Jax he has pen on his face? <laughs> you got blue on you. If the gunslinger can only identify Color Jax by the pen on his face, why doesn't Jax wear a balaclava? True story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael's final point is, it's just supposed to be a screwdriver! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, neighbours. What true. else does it do? Oh, we didn't talk about that. Well, he, he essentially wins the gunfight by pointing it in the air. Yeah. He's always pointing it in the air. But not just... I mean, he is quicker than the gunslinger, because if it had mm. been a gun, he would have shot him, right? But it's, he outsonics the tank To arm. be fair, the gunslinger has the slowest gun ever invented. Well, Mr. Clomp Clomp isn't yeah. all about speed and agility. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Clomp Clomp. <laughs> Word... <laughs> Now I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> right. And Michael summarises... <laughs> my 
mostly inoffensive. We beg to differ, Michael. <laughs> some <laughs> of us were offensive. Do we? Well, maybe some of us don't, because the rating Michael has given this is a whole 2.7 out of 5. Nice rating, People being turned Michael. into cyborgs that's ending a war that was killing millions of people. Doctor! <laughs> I'm breathing on here. <laughs> Get a fucking hold of yourself. How many people did you kill in the time war, eh? That's right, billions. But at least your immoral actions ended in the time war. Oh, wait, they didn't. Hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Mini. As always, thank you very much, Michael. Dear Podcast Land, do yourselves a favour and follow Michael on Twitter. He is at bad underscore movie underscore club. <laughs> and give him a high five. That's an awesome mini. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Next up, we have Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill. Hello, Sil. <laughs> <laughs> Still starts. I actually considered sending you only these words. I like the horse named Susan. Signed, Star Wars Sill. Fortunately for us, Star Wars Sill had a rethink and continued. But then I realised that I was a little bit less bored watching this episode than I was watching Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Ooh. And if I managed to find a rating for that, surely a rating can be found for this. One that's point two more than for dinosaurs. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Sill continues. A 1.6 for an episode that was nice but not fantastic though i grew up on old black and white cowboy movies so maybe i expect more from them than what happened here <laughs> maybe i'm a cowboy movie snob it's possible it is possible and i think we're all that even if we've never watched a cowboy movie <laughs> and star wars still concludes i did like that they called the cyborg their own special angel at the end that was neat hmm. lovely little mini there from star wars still People of Podcast Land, please follow Star Wars Seal and, and high-five Star Wars Seal online. Star Wars Seal is at Star Wars Seal. Thank you, Star Wars Seal. Okay, and our third and final listener mini tonight is from... Tristan from America! <laughs> oh, wow. That was nice. Yeah, that was a completely different range. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was good. <laughs> I have a full set <laughs> It's like the Bee Gees version. <laughs> Tracy begins. Hi, gang. I'm going to have trouble rating this episode. Wait, you can't just go with Leon again? <laughs> There's a lot of good story elements which ultimately hang together in an oddly unbalanced fashion. Perhaps jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps my biggest problem is, as a Farscape fan, Ben Browder really pulls me out of it. Mm. Mm. Tracy got the Farscape. Mm-mm. Tracy continues, we revisit some of the heavier Doctor Who themes. <laughs> <laughs> What sort of man is the Doctor? When is it okay to take our life slash lives? What does justice look like? It's a darker episode than I usually enjoy. I'm actually really glad Amy was identified as a mother by the kind, sad Frosty in her eyes. Which she immediately turns around to ask Jex if he's a father. I find this important because parents of any gender can exemplify the kindness and ferociousness necessary to protect something small and vulnerable. And it's worth noting that Amy is recognised as being a mother in the absence of her child. I don't think one needs to have a child in order to act as loving and protective as a parent. Like Marie! <laughs> Hi. I'm a mother to my cats. 
And Jim. And Jim. <laughs> Wait, no. Uh, that's no. weird. Yeah. I take that back. Oh, sorry. Oh, I take that back as well. We just got an insight into your private no. lives. No, we got an insight into Drew's brain. That's what we got there. <laughs> mm, sure. The horse is named Susan. Is there anything the doctor doesn't speak? And Tracy says, lastly, this episode could really use a slightly off-key piano ballad about a town landmark. Maybe I just miss Peter Purvis? Yes, this is a reference to the gunfighters. Uh Aha! Oh, wait, hang on. What was the song called? What was the song called? Down at the old saloon. I'm just making that up. (laughs) (laughs) That might be it. (laughs) Drinking at half past noon. The Ballad of the Last Chance Saloon. Holy shit! <laughs> Bring in the old spittoon. <laughs> oh, nice one, Jim! Fantastic! Holy moly! <laughs> Have you heard the remaking Dune? I know. Oh, it's so hard. It is crazy how aroused I am by that. Oh, Super Not just one film, but multiple Dune. films, and a t- they've sold the TV rights as well. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Marie, step in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy <laughs> concludes with a rating of Drew. Oh, sorry. What? I mean, no, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but for a moment there, didn't your eyes light up? If only. Uh, <laughs> <actual> rating. <laughs> it's your last chance of rating at the unnamed saloon. Thank you so much for that rating, Tracy. <laughs> yeah, an you, excellent rating. You can find Tracy online. She is at... Yekotnyatnov. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards, almost. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get to this point in our lives? (laughs) It's great, isn't it? (laughs) What's coming up next week? Well, the next new episode is The Power of Three. But before then, we're going to have a classic review, namely... Revenge of the Cybermen. That's right! From the West Country. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, the vodka's hit now. (laughs) Drink up the cyber. So, three of us are on Twitter. I'm at Jimmy the Who. Leon, you are... At Ponkin, P-O-N-K-N. Drew, you are... At Drew Back When. Marie is not. (laughs) That's it. <laughs> but say hello to the rest of us. Uh, you can still email whobackwhen at gmail.com if you want to reach out to Marie and we'll pass your messages along. And you should do. She likes mail. Thank you so much for listening this week. Until the next time. Be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and... Cha-chao. Bang, <laughs> <laughs> bang. <laughs> Toodles. <laughs> well, I don't know what's left. <laughs> It's what Jim says. What does Jim say? See ya. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear God. laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that was just getting good. Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen, all in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at whobackwhen, all in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, 
boosters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?